Hey everyone, welcome to the Inspire to Fire podcast. My name is Chris, I'm your host. And today we have a really uh, great interview set up with prescriptions and paychecks. Um, we call her Steph. Hey. And uh, so she's going to be joining the podcast and she's going to be sharing with us some great advice on getting out of debt and uh, pursuing her fire journey. So welcome, Steph. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. All right. So um, again, this is, you're the first guest on the show, so I want to so exciting. welcome you. Yep. And um, I just, if you don't mind sharing with the audience a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, I know a lot about you. That's why I invited you. I'm excited to have you. But if you could share that with the audience, it'd be great. Uh, sure thing. Uh, so I'm Steph. I'm a physician assistant. Um, so it's kind of like a cross between a doctor and a nurse practitioner, if you're not familiar with PAs. Um, so I practice uh, medical dermatology, um, and my husband is a pharmacist. Um, so he works in managed care pharmacy, so he doesn't actually work in a, in a pharmacy counting pills. Uh, so it's a little bit different uh, aspect of pharmacy. Um, but we have been pursuing fire for the past... Um, about 18 months is, is uh, how long we've been on our journey so far. But prior to that, we have been working on paying off our ridiculous student loans. Um, as you probably know, medical schools are not cheap in the US. Uh, so we both came out of school with pretty hefty student loan debt um, that we've been trying to tackle over the past couple of years um, and really gotten a little bit more aggressive with it over the past two or three years. Um, so on my Instagram page, uh, I kind of talk about, you know, our debt-free journey, paying off our student loans, um, as well as some other debt that we have. And then um, the debt-free community kind of introduced me to the FIRE community. Um, so from there, we decided that, oh, well, why stop at, you know, just paying off our student loans and being debt-free? Like, we want to build wealth. Right. So that's kind of where we, um, where we started. So we, uh, we have three kids. So we're kind of on this journey with little kids. We've got three kids under five. Um, so that definitely keeps us busy too. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's so much that I want to get into, uh, with that. Um, but tell me, so how much exactly did you have in student loans? If you don't mind going into that and then kind of how much, have you paid off at this point? So um, I graduated with $166,000 in student loan debt, and my husband graduated with about $135,000. So it's a three, over $300,000 total. Wow. Um, and we have paid off $228,000. Wow. So we only have 73000 left only. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Congrats. That is awesome. Yeah, so yeah. we're we're making good progress. I um I paid off the remainder of my student loan debt um in July of 2019. Uh, so that was really recently, and so we're just Congrats. On, yeah, we're just working on getting the rest of my husband's paid down, and um, hopefully within the next two years we'll have that taken care of. Okay, so yeah, I wanted to kind of get into that part because that is the is super impressive for me. I so a little bit about myself. I'm uh -huh. a pharmacist as well. Awesome. And so I kind of, you know, feel that same pain. I had 155,000 in student <laughs> yeah. loan debts when I came out. Um, so I know how that felt and it could be very overwhelming. So to have uh, 300,000, I can only imagine. So 
I would love to know for the audience as well and for my sake as well, what gave you that motivation and that mental strength uh, to say, I'm going to pay this down aggressively and I'm going to get this monkey off my back because I know so many people kind of have that hopeless feeling and they feel like they're never really going to get to pay it off. So what gave you that strength? Was it your childhood or something was, you learned in adulthood? There was a couple things. Um, so I was shadowing uh, where I, I had a rotation with a, a PA um, and we had gotten to talking about student loans because um, it had gotten to the point at the end of the at the end of the school year where we were talking about student loan repayment and and he told me, oh yeah, I'm going to have mine paid off in about 10 years. And I was like, you can do that. You can pay it off early. Like I had no idea that people did that. And he was like, yeah, you just pay extra on it. And so that's kind of where I got the idea. And when my, when my loans went into deferment about six months after I graduated, um, you know, I started making my payments and they were $1,100 a month. Mm -hmm. And I'm like looking at the balance every month on my spreadsheet and it's barely moving. And so when I looked at the numbers, I saw that I was paying over $900 a month in interest. Ouch. And that made me want to throw up. <laughs> um, so basically, I decided that I did not want to pay um, all that money in interest. And I was going to do whatever I could to save that money. I had done the math at one point to see how much total I would have paid on my loans if I had stayed with my 25-year repayment plan. And it was a total of $345,000 just for my loans. Wow. So I would have paid more in interest than the actual loan amount. So I kind of just decided right then and there after I ran the numbers, I was like, hell no, am I letting this happen? Yeah. Um, so that's when I kind of decided, okay, I got to make extra payments. I got to do whatever I can to get the balance down. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's, that's awesome. And that was your eye-opening experience. I think I had a similar eye-opening moment where I started seeing the interest just accrue. And um, I just didn't want that happening. But I know what's very important before you just start paying aggressively is to look into your options. And mm -hmm. you ran the numbers. So is there like a, a suggested method to kind of seeing, should I refinance? Because I think you refinanced your student loans, if I'm not I mistaken. Did. Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you judge whether you should uh, aggressively pay down and refinance or if you should maybe look into these other options like public forgiveness? Um, how did you do that? So personally, um, I wasn't really interested in the public forgiveness programs. Um, I was working in private practice at the time and I had I basically didn't qualify for any of the public student loan forgiveness programs. So I was like, well, I'm not going to try to shoot for that if I don't even qualify. Right. Uh, so I've got to find a different way to make sure that these loans don't stick around until I'm 50. Um, and so, yeah, so that kind of was right out the window for me right off the bat. Um, and also, I mean, I didn't know much about it at the time, but the more I heard was that people weren't getting approved for it, even after making their qualifying payments. So that kind of made me a little wary too. Um, when I did look into refinancing, uh, one of the things that I uh, really had to consider was the monthly payment because um, I, I wanted to make sure that I still got a better rate, but that I wasn't you know, committing myself to a payment that I wouldn't be able to afford. Um, so after about a year of making pretty consistent payments on my federal student loans, um, I decided to refinance with a private lender. And the first time I refinanced was with a company called Earnest. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to get my loans down. Uh, they ranged from 5.4% to 8.9%. Wow. Uh, so I consolidated them down to like a 3.95% when I refinanced. And that made all the difference. That's a big savings right there. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that in and of itself saved me $100,000. Right. Um, but when I, uh, when I looked at different options for refinancing, I kind of played around with the numbers um, in terms of the, like the, the number of years for repayment and the, the monthly payment and how much is going to interest and stuff like that. So I, I did, you know, do, ran some numbers and made sure that we'd be able to afford um, the extra payments. Yeah, so I think that's it's exactly your your story mirrors a lot of of my story because I kind of looked at my situation too and I'm in the private sector mm-hmm. and I said instead of I wasn't sure if I was going to try to get into the public sector okay. and I was I was trying but it wasn't happening overnight, you know, there wasn't any openings. So I said instead of waiting and seeing maybe in a year or two, um I decided to refinance with Ernest as well. And, oh, cool. um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. And so that brought me down to around the same interest rate as yours. And, uh, yeah, then there was a snowball from there. And, nice. uh, yeah, so, and actually recently I, I refinanced again because I know that I'm getting to that point where I'm almost, I've paid over a hundred thousand of oh. my student loans. So I'm getting to that point where there's a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah. so, I said, let me go ahead. It's a little bit of a risk, but I refinanced again to a variable rate. And I thought that I was going to be able to just pay it off within the next three, four years. So I said, if the interest goes up higher, I can just pay it down quicker. Mm -hmm. But the interest has actually gone lower. Sweet. Yeah. And, um, you know, right now it's sitting at about 1.7%. So I'm not sure if I even want to pay it off uh, any, any quicker at this point. Right. Yeah. We we just refinanced my husband's student loans, the remaining seventy three thousand, um, with um, LendKey, and I think we got a similar rate around one point nine percent. It's variable, but I figured the interest rates are so low right now. Like, mm-hmm. if it shoots back up, we can always refinance because it doesn't cost anything to refinance. So, and and that's the yeah. position of power that you're in, which is amazing. That's why I want to share with the audience is that when you are in that position of power where you know you have control over your debt, you can make decisions like that because you know that you have options, whether the interest rates go down, stay the same, or go back up. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. I'm glad you shared that story. And um, the other question I had for you regarding the career path is uh-huh. when you and your husband chose um, PA and pharmacy, did you guys kind of think about the student loans that you'd have or the income after? Um, Because I know that's something where I just wanted to be a pharmacist and I just went into it. And then after I realized, but did you become a PA before your husband became a pharmacist? So my husband graduated pharmacy school in 2013. um, So he graduated a year before I did. Um, and he always knew that he wanted to be a pharmacist. His dad is a pharmacist and he kind of looked at it more from a, um, like quality of life standpoint. He, his dad worked kind of nine to five Monday through Friday, made really good money. They were able to go on like nice vacations as a family. And, you know, he was there for all of his soccer games and stuff. So, um, so my husband just really liked, uh, kind of the, um, the quality of life 
that being a pharmacist affords. And um, as far as being a PA, um, I had looked into medical school first. Um, and once I had kind of like ran the numbers in terms of how long it was going to take, I was like, oh, let's see if I wanted to do a plastic surgery residency, I'd be in school for another 11 years. Like <laughs> that just sounded awful. And um, I was like, well, what can I do, you know, to get into the medical field? I didn't want to be a nurse. Um, and literally one of my friends in organic chemistry in undergrad handed me a pamphlet about PAs. I had never heard of PAs. I didn't know what it was. And he was like, hey, this is like medical school, but it's only two years. And um, that kind of had me sold. I was like, yeah. That, that is a, yeah, he should be in sales. That was a great pitch. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because we actually went to PA school together. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So I kind of owe the PA career path to my friend. Um, but I mean, I, I knew that we were going to have a good amount of student loans. Um, I hadn't taken out student loans before. Um, my undergrad was pretty much free. I had gotten scholarships and um, we live in a really low cost of living state where tuition is low as it is. Um, so I didn't have any undergrad student loans. And so I wasn't really familiar with how big like how much big debt you can get with student loans. Yeah. So um, I knew how much my tuition was at PA school, um, but I was taking out the maximum amount to pay for my living expenses too, because you can't work at all. You're in school 40 to 50 hours a week. It's intense. Yep. Um, so while my husband was able to work while he was in pharmacy school, he had like two or three jobs. Um, I couldn't work at all in PA school. Um, so I ended up taking out money for tuition and for living expenses. So it was actually a pretty big blow when I opened up my first statement and saw how much money I had taken out. I was kind of like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, so that, uh, you know, like you hit on a great point, trying to limit that during school as much as possible. I mean, of course, yeah. you want to do well in school, but if you're mm -hmm. the type that's able to multitask or I wasn't able to, I, I didn't work either in pharmacy school. So um, yeah, it's tough, but if you can even get a part-time job and kind of help right. out and not have to put the Subway sandwiches on your student loan account uh, or funds right. either, then, um, then yeah, that'll be great. That's a, that's a good tip for, for anyone going through it as well. Yeah. Going back, I wish I would have, um, yeah, not spent my student loan money on stupid stuff. I mean, we <laughs> went on trips and I bought purses and we ate out a ton and I was like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm going to be paying it off for the rest of my life. So oh, who cares? Yeah. And you're not the only one. I mean, a lot of people had that attitude in, in school. So it's tough too, when your peers are, are thinking the same and for sure going yeah. out to the bar or something after a test and you're yeah. thinking to yourself, well, how, how, <laughs> yeah, of course. That's very, <laughs> especially depending on how you good you, you did on the test, right? Right. Oh God. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's, that's really um, a good mentality to have in school or try to keep in school is that, Hey, you know, that's uh, it's something that you're going to eventually have to pay back. So maybe your future self will thank you if you, if you limit it at least. Yep. Did not take that into account. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> So I, I at least knew that I would be making enough money to make my payments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then, so I definitely wanted to get into a little bit about uh, your investing strategy or, or kind of, um, cause you've got a lot of great stuff. So I also want to encourage the audience to check out your Instagram um, highlights 
because I was in there just clicking away and just following your story. It was amazing. Um, and you've got some really great uh, stuff put together in there. So what, and, and one was regarding investing. So I wanted to kind of get your viewpoint on what helped you get started with investing? Because I think that's the transition from school where you're very focused on one topic, which is PA or prescriptions, pharmacy in general. And then you actually have time to shift your focus on maybe financing or per personal finances. Yeah. So what kind of sparked that? Because I think you got started pretty early, which is amazing. I did. Um, so my husband's uncle um, is a is a stockbroker and he basically made us come down to his office and open up accounts when we were in college he was like open up an account now just put money in it every month don't look at it and he actually told us that like legally we couldn't take the money out he like totally lied oh, okay <laughs> that like, works. you're not allowed to touch it you know you can't touch it for at least 10 years and we we're like okay okay yeah <laughs> um so even during PA school i was sending a hundred dollars a month to my investments i didn't really know what it was doing but I knew that my husband's uncle was taking care of it. Um, and so when I was looking at my stock account last summer, it had about $24,000 in it, which was wow. just about what I needed to make a lump sum payment on the rest of my student loan balance. Nice. Yeah. So I kind of took the jump and just cashed it out and, um, and paid off my student loans. And my, my goal from there was to be like, okay, well, I was paying so much money towards my student loans and now I'm going to invest that, that money every month instead of making my student loan payment. Um, and then of course, you know, um, being introduced to the fire community, I learned about the magic of index funds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I regularly contribute to my Vanguard account, um, which primarily just has VOO, which is a total stock market index fund. Um, and I have some S&P 500 index funds. Um, and then I have like a personal for fun investing account. Um, I have an app on my phone. It's uh, M1 Finance. Yep, um, yep. And it makes it super easy because um, they, you can buy partial shares of stocks and you just have like a percentage of each stock um, in your portfolio and it kind of rebalances everything for you, which is really nice, kind of simplifies things a little bit. So I own some individual stocks on M1 and um, a couple other, um, I own like a, like a REIT index fund and some dividend aristocrat index funds. Um, so I've got a little bit of diversity in my for fun portfolio. And a uh, question for you. I've heard of M1 Finance and I know it is great, a great, you know, tool as long, along with like Robinhood and things like that. Um, can you do partial shares of ETFs or not yet? Yep. You can. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Because yeah. that's, I know a hiccup is, you know, sometimes when you want to buy, you, you have enough for three or four and a half shares and you have to wait for that extra. Right. So I just have a set amount of money that goes into that account every week and it buys me, you know, that much money's worth of all of my stocks. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I like it because it kind of simplifies things. But one of the downsides is that, um, it's harder to allocate a certain number of shares to your different parts of your portfolio. So that's why I have my Vanguard account where, um, where I keep most of my like long-term stuff. And do you have to pay a commission on those purchases with M1 Finance? Nope. Wow. Nope. 
I think I'm going to have to try and get them as a sponsor because I'm probably going to be talking about them a lot then. I, I had no idea yeah. that they were that great. I, I was using Robinhood for a little while and then I got a little bit more serious and I've been using Vanguard since. Yeah. And the, the app is super easy to use. Um, the one complaint I have about Vanguard is that their interface is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Not millennial friendly at all. It's not. Yeah. So <laughs> M1 is very millennial friendly. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, so it, it looks, or it sounds like you've automated your processes when it comes to investing. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, do you, do you recommend that for everybody to just have it on autopilot? Absolutely. Otherwise you have to think about it and it becomes this decision that you have to make. And, um, and if, and if sometimes you have to make the decision where, Oh, well, you know, it's 150 bucks this week, you know, do I want to put it in my investments or do I want to, you know, buy something new and shiny? Mm -hmm. Um, so I just have it automatically taken out of my account every Monday. Um, so every Monday, 150 bucks goes to my M1 account. Um, and then I have another draft set up for my, uh, for my Vanguard account. So I invest about $700 a month minimum. Mm -hmm. And, and then if I get like a bonus at work or something, I'll make a, a big, uh, transfer over to my investments. Cool, cool. Um, and then as far as your your husband goes and the fire journey, I know that that's a big, um, it's an, it could be an issue or it could just be something where people struggle that, mm -hmm. you know, getting your spouse on board. Um, so how did you, were you guys both on the same page when it came to that? Like you, you just heard about it and both were like, yes, that's what I want. Or was one more interested than the other? Um, no, I'm definitely the nutso finance. <laughs> um, so my husband has, he's always been a little bit more into like the personal investments. Um, and even while I was going gung ho on paying off my student loans, he was putting $1,600 a month into his brokerage account. And I'm like, come on, babe, you got to pay off your student loans. And he's like, no, I'm getting like, I'm making more money in the stock market than I'm losing in student loan interest. Mm -hmm. um, so he kind of like the math did weigh in his favor. But for me, I needed that mental win of actually paying off debt. So we did not have the same mindset going into it. He definitely um, is not quite as debt averse as I am. Um, but um, as far as the fire goes, um, I kind of came up to him and I was like, Hey, so I found these websites. Um, I had found a uh, mad scientist. Yeah. I found mad scientist and I was like listening to his podcast and going through his blog. And I was like, babe, babe, we could retire early, like really early. And he just kind of flipped it to me. Like I was totally nuts. And, um, so then I went crazy and made a bunch of insane spreadsheets and showed him that we could really retire early. And he was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Um, so I think he's kind of shifted his mindset a little bit. Um, he's still not super into paying off his student loans, but, um, but I think, uh, he has a little bit more motivation when I tell him, okay, like that $1,300 a month payment, you know, that could be invested. And mm -hmm. um, he really likes that. So um, he's, he's kind of coming around to having a little bit more of the same vision, but I think he is definitely on board with not having to work forever. Yeah. So, so your approach was to kind of show him the numbers. And since he's kind of a numbers guy with the stocks and everything as well, yeah. that kind of worked in your favor. Exactly. Cool, cool. And just a quick tip or uh, question, because if he's big on stocks and he said he was doing well, 
Um, you know, a lot of people in the fire community are just into index funds, passive investing, and they don't want to bother with stocks. And, you know, I'm kind of the same way. I had a bad experience with the stock. And yeah. since then, I'm like, I can tell I'm just not that type of person. I need to own a little bit more. So yeah. do you, do you, have you picked up on any tips or what he's doing? Or No, I don't do any stock picking. Um, he, again, he has his uncle that's a broker that helps him pick hot stocks. And um, if it works for him, great. We kind of both see our personal investment accounts like as fun money, um, money that we could stand to lose if, you know, if they got wiped out. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why, like, I have my separate Vanguard account. But um, so, yeah, there, there's just big differences there in terms of mindset. And it seems like that's his passion, so, um, or, or that he really enjoys that, so. It's fun for him, and him and his dad kind of will talk about, like, he'll, they'll talk about stocks and be like, oh, you think we should buy that this week, or should we wait till next week, or, you know, like, he likes to read the Wall Street Journal, and um, so it's, it's fun for him to do it that way, whereas, um, you know, I like the math behind index funds. Like I, I know what it's going to, you know, return and, um, it's a little bit more predictable. Um, so just different mindset. So uh, yeah, we're not totally on the same page, but we're both going in the same direction. Definitely. Yeah. That's important. That's, that's the key. So I also had a question about the type of fire that you might be pursuing. Is it a regular traditional fire? Or are you kind of looking into others like coast fire did you want to maybe do barista fire <laughs> so um we are looking at fat fire nice. um, i kind of early on in our marriage i told my husband like don't ever make me live frugally like i don't want to <laughs> penny pinch and um and you know us both having six figure jobs like it feels so weird like being super super frugal mm -hmm. um and we kind of told ourselves like hey we worked really hard you know to make this good money and we want to be able to spend a little bit of it eventually and um so I, we're kind of aiming for fat fire um we'd like to be able to draw down between 80 and 100 thousand dollars a year um i honestly don't know how we would even spend that much um because we're planning on paying our mortgage off early and once our mortgage is paid off and our student loans are paid off, our annual expenses should only be around forty to 50000 But, you know, we've got three kids and kids are expensive. So, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, if we did decide to quit working entirely, then, um, you know, we'd have to be able to float stuff like health insurance. So um, there's a couple different approaches that we could take. I mean, at this point, we are at Coast Fi, meaning that if we just left our money in our 401ks by the time we hit traditional retirement age we would be able to retire with about 1.6 million in the bank nice. um but that would only allow us to that that wouldn't let us spend big <laughs> <laughs> um so our goal is to continue to contribute to our 401ks um right now between the two of us we contribute about $2400 a month to our 401k's and if we continue with that even just for the next 10 years we'll have about 2.5 million in our retirement accounts um so even if we weren't you know contributing to our um to to our brokerage accounts we'd still be 401k millionaires which is awesome yeah, um, yeah. and then we both like our jobs my husband um I, he likes his job, but I think that he could really see being fully retired. 
Um, I personally love my job and probably wouldn't want to quit entirely. Um, so I think, you know, having like a barista fire uh, type thing going on where I stay partially employed, at least part time, um, might be super helpful just to pay for like health insurance and stuff like that. Um, and working in the medical field, I have the option to work like PRN or part time. So um, we'd still be able to bring in a little bit extra cash, even though we, we wouldn't really need it based on my estimations. Yeah, and that's something, that's something that, that my wife is super, she, she's on board with Fatfire as well. Um, there's not really a downside to Fatfire other than maybe uh, over planning and having a little bit too much money, but that's a good problem to have. That's a very good problem to have, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good plan and, and um, you know, you're, you're making great strides. That's amazing. Your story's um, been very inspirational. That's why I wanted to bring you on the show. Um, I've also saw recently, I think, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, that you refinance your mortgage. We did. Um, we How saw did... that mortgage rates were going really, really low, and I was bored at home on maternity leave, and I decided that I needed a project. Mm -hmm. um, so I found a company online called Better Mortgage. And I looked at the rates and they looked good. Um, I ran a little break-even calculator on nerdwallet.com. And um, I saw that if we were to refinance from our current rate, which was 4.375 down to 3.25, that it would save us about $120,000 just in interest payments. Wow. Uh, so I'll, yeah. I'll include that. You said NerdWallet and a refinance calculator, right? I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, so NerdWallet has a ton of good um, calculators for pretty much anything finance related, uh, but they have a nice calculator to show when you would break even on your mortgage refinance. Um, it takes into account things like closing costs. Um, and one of the nice things with our refinance um, is that after we did the refinance, I found out through one of um, my followers on Instagram, uh, Jay Millennial, he told me that you could get a $2,500 American Express credit um, on my credit card um, by doing my mortgage with Better. So um, I contacted Better and they applied the credit to my uh, Amex account. Wow. So that $2,500 was just taken off of the closing cost, basically. That was. No, no. So we paid the full $4,400 in closing costs. Okay. And then um, American Express put a $2,500 credit on my credit card account. Oh, okay. Nice. So it's still negative $1,300 right now. I haven't even paid up to the <laughs> amount that they took off. So That is a huge win. And, and props yeah. to Jay Millennial for knowing that. That's crazy. Right? So I keep trying to tell everyone, I'm like, oh, if you're going to refinance, you can get a $2,500 credit. <laughs> so better.com. Yeah, you better have to go through better. And is that similar to... Um, like credible where you kind of have like comparison tools or like comparison lenders? No. Um, so I um, actually used credible.com to see who had good rates. And mm -hmm. then I went with better just because um, they were doing everything online. Um, we didn't have to meet with a mortgage broker. Uh, so it was super, super easy. Um, I mean, you know, it's a pain in the butt getting all of the financial information uh, ready for them uh, to go through, but otherwise it was a super simple process. We were able to just upload everything right to the website. Um, and they have like a nice little timeline tracker to show you like what the next step is, what they're working on. It was super easy. Um, wow. And it probably took, I don't know, maybe five hours out of my day to upload everything. And it saved us 
$120,000. Wow. Okay. I got to do a little quick calculation on that one. $120,000. You know, it's sad that I have to use a calculator for this one, but let's see. So you got paid $24,000 an hour to make that move. Pretty, pretty good. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. Um, And I'm glad that your refinance went smoothly because I recently did the same thing. I saw that the mortgage rates were, well, the tenure was going super low. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, maybe this is a great time to refinance. So I picked up the phone and called some lenders, did some comparisons, and I was able to refinance from my 30 year down to a 15 year as well. Nice. And um, yeah, so I was really excited, but I didn't realize that with all the things going on in the world, that it was going to be a little bit of a challenge, um, people working from home. So yeah. for me, I did find it a little bit of a challenge because uh, certain things weren't just, uh, it wasn't as easy. And okay. uh, in the end, we closed uh, the title company that we used, we closed in my car, like a little drive through where oh, they brought wow. the papers out oh and with the pen. Yep. Do you have any questions? Nope. Just sign here. Thanks. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was very weird, but, um, but it got the job done and, and we refinanced. Um, and I wish I would have known about that Amex credit because I would have used that for sure. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, I'll steer, I'll steer my audience to better.com and I'll also include that link to um, the calculator so that they can see if it's a right move for them. Because yeah. if it worked smoothly for you, I hope that that's the same process for them. Yeah. Yep. Um, so lastly, just a little bit of fun to end the episode. I like to kind of ask um, some things that I'm interested in, and maybe you can help me, but on a personal, not finance side, um, I okay. think you're big into sunscreens. Is that right? I am. All right. So dermatology, I see a lot of skin cancer. Yes. So I figured I'd ask a professional. I live in okay. Florida. All and, right. You know, there's a lot of sun down here. And my wife, she's big on sunscreens. And she's always telling me I should wear more sunscreen, but I don't. I'm just, I'm a guy and it's just hard. So wife, she's smart. <laughs> Yes, I keep hearing that. So, <laughs> uh, so what sunscreen do you recommend, and um, or do you find that one is better than another? Yes, there are major differences between sunscreens. Um, so there's two different types of sunscreens. There's physical sunscreens and chemical sunscreens. Uh, so physical sunscreens are going to be like your zinc oxide and your titanium dioxide sunscreens, and they are going to physically block the UV rays. Um, and they're the most broad spectrum uh, sunscreen that you can get. So the zinc oxide sunscreens have the highest UV coverage. They're going to block most of UVA and UVB. Um, The downside is that they can be a little chalky. They're the ones that you think of like the lifeguard with the white nose. Yeah. Um, But they do have, there's some brands that have really nice clear formulations. Um, And then there's, you know, chemical sunscreens, which have like the avobenzene and the oxybenzone. Um, So there's, there's a little bit of controversy behind the chemical sunscreens um, and whether or not, you know, they're good for you. But I feel like as long as you're putting on sunscreen, I'm happy. Like whatever you can (laughs) slather on your body. It's better um, than the radiation from the sun. Yes, like anything. Um, I just, I see so much skin cancer. It's probably 50% of my practice is just skin cancer patients. Um, And they all grew up, it's, you know, my average patient age is like 79. And they all grew up in the era of no sunscreen, laying out, tanning with baby oil and iodine. And um, 
so they're all just fried and I don't, I don't want to be fried. I don't want to be fried. <laughs> no, um, no, I don't want yeah. to either. And, and you start to see it later on. And that's the thing when you're young. Hard. You know, yeah. You know, you, you get the benefits of the tan and, and none of the wrinkles, but you start yeah. to see the other side a little bit later. But I mean, I'm, I'm 32 and I've had pre-cancer spots treated on my face. Um, I've had one too many sunburns in my day. The, mm -hmm. the Irish were not meant to live in the desert. <laughs> Um, so I've had spots treated already. I mean, I, I treat young patients. I think my youngest melanoma patient was 18. Um, so it's, it's serious stuff. Um, yeah, wow. yeah. And it's scary. It's definitely yeah. scary to wear your sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to make it a point. So is there anything, any one that you recommend more than another? You said that any, as long as it's sunscreen, sunscreen, it's fine, but right. any brand exactly. that you think Neutrogena or. There's a couple brands that I really like just because they're good for like sensitive skin. Um, mm -hmm. So a brand that I use personally is called CeraVe um, yeah. and they have a whole line of really good sensitive skincare products. But every day I put on SPF 30 on my face, um, regardless of what I'm doing, even if I'm just going to work, um, you still get some, you know, UV exposure on your drive to work. And um, so I just want to be as protected as possible. And then if I'm outside for any extended period of time, I use a, a zinc oxide sunscreen, at least SPF 30 or above. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely going to be getting, uh, I'll go to the store as soon as I can. Well, <laughs> at, being at the pharmacy, I can, I'm sure I could fix, uh, pick one out. Yes. Um, but yeah, thank you for that recommendation. Sure thing. And, um, and so is there anything that we didn't get to that you might want to talk about or mention to, to the audience? Anything that you feel like, you know, could help? Mm. No pressure. If you don't, it's fine. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything because we kind of talked about student loans, mortgage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I try to cover the bases because, yeah. and you know, worst case scenario, if we don't get to it all and just have you back sometime. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, my piece of advice would be, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yeah. Even if you can't, you know, throw a ton of money at your student loans, you know, anything you can to just make that extra little payment is going to, you know, help your future self. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's great advice. And it's, it's so true because time, you know, kind of has a way of flying by and next thing you know, a couple of years have gone yeah. by and you keep, and you think, you know, if I would have, or if I should have. So if you just do and just throw whatever you can, you'd be yeah. surprised at the results that you'll get. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Steph, for, for joining the show. I really appreciate it. And your story is super inspirational. That is, I got to give you major props for, for being able to pay off that much debt. That is amazing. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care and uh, have a great day. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed the show and you want to help me out, you can subscribe and leave a review. By leaving a review, you will be entered into future giveaways and contests that I'll be doing. And to do this, all you need to do is again, leave a review and take a screenshot. Send that screenshot to questions at inspiretofire.com. Again, leave a review, take a screenshot, send that to questions at inspiretofire.com and you will be entered into the future giveaways and contests that I'll be doing. So thank you very much for listening. Have a great day.